I want to. I actually want to give Christiane some credit. Yeah. Because knowing that she has a baby at home, she's been more organized than me. I'm saying something. I'm Mr. Organization. What are you talking about? If you are comparing your organization to less than mine, I (laughs) pity you. (laughs) All right. What do you have for us? Okay. Today we have an evergreen shrub. That is three to foot, five foot tall, six to eight foot wide. It ranges from Manitoba and Minnesota eastward to the coast and south as far as Tennessee and North Carolina. And its wetland indicator status is facultative. All right. I have no clue. What? I have no idea. (laughs) These are all, really? the, like I've mentioned numerous times, these are all the things that don't help me other than evergreen shrub. <laughs> all <laughs> like, right. Do you want to ask a question? And height helps me a little bit, but the, the native range, I know approximately, but yeah. the states, I don't know. And then wetland indicator, I know like approximately, but I don't really yeah. know what they are. You can ask a question, Fran. Uh, flower. Uh, cone-like structures called strabili. That doesn't help me at all. <laughs> <laughs> and um, <clears throat> uh, let's see. What else do we? Were there well, any? It's evergreen. Yeah. So it's, evergreen. Uh, it could be leaf type or or bloom time or bloom color. Yeah, I was gonna. I'm gonna go. all three. <laughs> I'm, no, I'm gonna go. What are some of the the uh, Native American uses? <laughs> <laughs> Um, it was commonly used for rheumatism and to bring out the clots after childbirth. Yep, I know it now. <laughs> All right, then. I don't even know why I wrote that that back down. It's like it's going to help me. Uh. <laughs> oh, I'm just trying to rack my brain as far as um. Short evergreen shrubs. Um, do you want to? Do you want to pick? We've Ooh, already I wanna, done. I have I, no idea. <laughs> I don't know anything that fits this. I was gonna just like stay silent and take a loss on this. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta pick something. I, you know, the one thing I had, I know we did in season one, so it's not that the flower threw me off. Um, as far as. Evergreen shrubs staying that size is really tough. Um, I'm going to say Taxus canadensis. Yeah, going with that one. You got it. <laughs> oh, look at that. Wow. <laughs> wow, I pulled that out of, out of nowhere. You're listening to A Native Plant Every Day with Tom and Fran. Finishing up the week strong, welcome back to A Native Plant Every Day with Tom and Fran. I am Fran. And I'm Tom. And I'm Christiane. And today's plant is Taxus canadensis, which is Canada U. And I pulled that one out of... The, actually, I did, I, it was my last question is really what gave it away. It was, everyone it knows was Canada U and rheumatism. 
It was the class for me after childbirth (laughs) that did it. No, I, you know, I started thinking about evergreen shrubs, especially northern ones, and I actually have a full-grown one of these in my yard. And I started just – I don't know what made me think of that, and it popped into my – like it was just sheer luck, I think. But uh, today's plant, uh, as Christiane mentioned, is three to five foot tall, six to eight foot wide with a wetland indicator status of facultative. Um, and that range from uh, Canada, Manitoba, Minnesota, and Iowa eastward to the coast and south to Tennessee and North Carolina. Found, it's found as a rare Ice Age relic in some coves of the Appalachian Mountains, which is pretty amazing. Um, it's an evergreen shrub of the Taxiaceae family and has dark green needles attached singly in a spiral. Uh, around the branch, but give a flattened appearance as they uh, project laterally only. The undersides are paler with a prominent green midvein and appearing stripe, and it has a reddish bark, very thin and scaly. From my experience, deer love it as well. Like, at, you know, before in the nursery industry, before uh, the deer explosion here in the Northeast, Texas was a mainstay of, mm. or used were a mainstay of many properties. And Everyone grew them, and you couldn't grow enough. And then, as the deer population exploded, no one wanted them, and then no one yeah. could even grow them. Hmm. Like I'm thinking of, uh, um, oh, what's the nursery in South Jersey? Chris, um, they grow liners now. Um, Rusky, um, Cumberland, Cumberland. Cumberland they were they were mainly a U nursery. Really, like that oh. was their main product, and yeah. they've completely shifted into another direction because. It wasn't sustainable as a, a nursery crop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's pretty cool. But um, well, I guess it's not that cool if you into Canada use. It's kind of <laughs> cool that they were able to shift into a new – like to see opportunities in another yeah. way oh, yeah. and continue on. Yeah. So uh, this plant is usually monoecious, and uh, the male and female flowers are cone-like structures called uh, strob- strobili, or strobili, not stromboli. Uh, if, you, if you're looking at it now i'm hungry a little early yeah. to be hungry <laughs> um they're born singly in the leaf axis uh female cones are smaller beginning as pointed buds and subtended by a series of small bracts and the male strobili are oval elliptic yeah oval elliptic the cone scales yellowish and the pollen sacs initially creamy colored turning tan uh and that bloom time is in the spring so the one thing i remember we had one of these at my property as a kid, and the one thing I remember is the fruit, which is a cup-shaped berry-like cone called an arrow, maturing to bright red, open at the top, exposing the single seed in mid to late summer. So the way it's open at the top actually reminds me of like a little olive, like a little red olive, mm-hmm. yeah. and we would smash yeah. them when they come and uh, throw them at each other. You know, when you're a kid, that's what <laughs> – yeah. all these things become weapons, but – the other good memory I have of this is the amount of inchworms that hmm. that we would get on that plant. It was always coated in inchworms, which was which was very cool because we love love playing with the inchworms. Too. And probably made a lot of people upset as well. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. totally, totally. So, and uh, and that fruit is a cup shaped berry like cone called an arrow. And uh, like Fran said, it matures to a bright red, open at the top, uh, exposing the single seed in mid to late summer. Uh, it reproduces by layering, forming a continuous population of clones. The connections between ramets usually rot. And most use produce some seed almost every year, and those seeds are disseminated by birds. You think, like, oh, yeah, it kind of forms like a little berry-ish thing. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so birds are going to eat it, and then 
and move along. And it's uh, it's also grows in part shade to shade. Yeah. Now, in my in my property, it's it's in shade. At where I was growing up, it was at full sun, and you could see a huge difference in just form. Mm-hmm. Although back then, everyone pruned like it was yeah. it was sheared. Yep. Uh, the populations do migrate; they increase in size by layering and die back in older portions of the genet, meaning individual ramets do not attain great ages. Uh, the fruits are eaten by birds, including rough grouse, pheasants, cedar waxwing, and robin. Deer and moose also eat the leaves, and all parts of the plant except the arrow are at least mildly poisonous. And I remember hearing that as a kid because yeah. yeah. they had them at my grandma's house, and I didn't realize what they were at the time. But I remember saying, oh, you can't eat that. That's poisonous. So, Oh, yeah. I remember as a kid because you're looking at them, and you're like, I wonder if I can <laughs> eat this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I remember getting it smacked out of my hand at, at least a couple times. Yeah, and um, like we were saying, or Fran was even saying earlier, it was grown commercially for, uh, how do you say that word? Paclitaxel. Paclitaxel and two other taxines, which are used in cancer medication. And uh, some of the Native American root, uh, uses, which we all knew already, is uh, they're commonly used for rheumatism and to bring out the clots after childbirth. Uh, use this shrub to stabilize soils along streams, ponds, and bogs, or in mass plantings as a ground cover, which is not how I think it was traditionally used no. in the home landscape. You, you know, and if you're if you're looking to replace something in your property to mm-hmm. to use this now, deer are an issue, yep. uh, and it is going to be hard to find commercially. I think at this point, yeah. but it it does take the shearing very well, and you can hedge with it, and it only gets three to five foot tall. So if you were replacing like a Japanese holly hedge mm-hmm. uh, on your property, it would be a good sub for that. So we are ready for the lightning round. Let's finish out strong, Tom. Let's see how we do today. Okay. All right. First up, true or false? Natural seed germination usually does not take place until the second year. The next one is let's rack our brains. Why is one of the best and most easily encountered populations of Canada U located on the South Manitou Island? Okay. Next up is true or false. It is highly tolerant of disturbance being re- readily extirpated by logging or fire. Can you repeat that question? I wasn't. I was still on the last one. <laughs> I was, you threw me for a loop when I had to write a, like a open ended response. Uh, yeah. So Canada U is highly tolerant of disturbance being readily extirpated by logging or fire. Okay. True or false, winter color takes on a reddish-brown tint. And then true or false, the plant does not need any assistance in self-pollination, and the same individual can pollinate itself. Okay. I I waffled on my last answer. (laughs) I did, too. Yeah. I just changed it. All right, go ahead. Okay. First up, it is true natural seed germination does not take place until the second year. Uh, Save two for last. I was, Fran, I know Uh, how to do my job (laughs) if you'd let me. (laughs) All right. I can't wait for your gift to show up today, by the way. (laughs) Is false. They are highly intolerant appear and appear most in late succession forests. 
I'm over so far. Yeah, I I took your question. I answered true because I misunderstood your question. <laughs> I thought that's what I was answering. Did you, get, they were did you get the first one right? Not resilient to fire. I did, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So Tom's one for two. I got the second two. one right too, but right. we're going to find out that later. <laughs> okay. All right. The next one was true. The winter color takes on a reddish brown tint. All right. And then we have false. The plant is not self-fertile but must be pollinated by the wind. I'm two for two. I am uh, two of four. Or, yeah. I'm two of four. Sorry. <laughs> All right. So it comes down to this one. So what do you both think is the reason that you can find a population in the South Manitou Island? I wrote that there's no deer. Oh, that would, that's a great answer. I was thinking it was like a height above sea level thing. Oh. Um, like it's it's higher and colder. But. It's because cervids, particularly white-tailed deer, have not swam across to inhabit the island. Yeah, where is – I've heard of South Manitou Island, but I don't remember where that is. I do not know. Yeah. I just assumed that – you know, it, it made me think of – we just did an article on Native Plants Healthy Planet where we were talking about islands, some which had deer, some which didn't, so they could see the difference between plant communities – with and without mm-hmm. heavy deer brows, and it made me think of that. Yeah, that's it. Is where I thought it was. It's in Lake Michigan. Okay. Um, because I've heard I've heard of South Manitou Island, but I I must be. Oh, uh, maybe I'm thinking of Isle Royal, which is like a big moose problem, and then a wolf, or not just a moose problem. There's moose there, and then the wolves came in and swam across. Wow. And uh, I think I'm confusing those two. So I was like, <laughs> I thought there was a whole bunch of moose there, <laughs> but no, I think I'm thinking of a different island. No. So. All right, give me – oh, I get the crossover now. Yeah. I, I made some ground today. So uh, the big question is, is this something that you would put in your yard? Uh, Christiane, why don't you go first? You putting it in your yard? I would love to. Um, surprisingly, despite backing up to woods, we don't see huge deer pressure. So I think I could manage the plant on my yard. All right, Tom, how about you? Um, No. No, no? <laughs> I'm not going to. And it's not from a, a deer pressure. <laughs> it's not from a deer pressure standpoint either. It just, um, like I mentioned, my grandparents had them. I think every house in that neighborhood had them. And it just reminds me of uh, of of grand, grand people. <laughs> it's really what it is. And I'm like, I'm not, I'm not old enough to have one of these. It's, it reminds me of like a plant that would have been put in in the 50s and 60s. It, and I think it's – I would agree with you. In the normal yeah. aesthetic, how it was yeah. traditionally used in the landscape is not the aesthetic I'm going for. Gotcha. Could you use it and make it look different? Yeah, I, probably. I Because I, that was very manicured where they're trimming them back yes. all the time. And, yeah. Um, and now – But I've never seen one like that, so I don't know what it looks like. The You know, I'll take a picture of the one in my backyard because that's yeah. – we've never, we've never touched it except mm-hmm. for it, it gets heavily deer browsed. So yeah. it's bare – you, the one thing that helps it is it's on a slope, so they can get at the bottom. And even though it's only five foot tall, mm-hmm. which you think figure they could browse it because it's on a slope and they're trying to get it from the bottom, gotcha. they yeah. can't reach it. So it, it it's it it gets a little bit different of a look when it's not mm-hmm. not manicured because yep. most of the time you see use they have been pruned or sheared. Yeah, heavy, yeah. So so totally. So we ended up the week strong. Hopefully. Uh, Next week, I'm only one behind Christiane. Maybe I can catch up next week. Uh, but there's no episode tomorrow because there will be a new episode of uh, um, Native Plants Healthy Planet. So we leave that day open so you can listen there. 
Uh, but we will see you again Monday with a brand new week of A Native Plant Every Day with Tom and Fran. Until then, keep it native. Thank you for listening to A Native Plant Every Day with Tom and Fran. Hey everyone, this is Fran. And Tom. And we just wanted to give you a quick reminder to tune in every Friday to our other podcast, Native Plants Healthy Planet. Yeah, so on Native Plants Healthy Planet, we dive into all different kinds of subjects revolving around native plants and our ecology and having a healthy planet. We have guests from uh, from colleges, from other podcasts, from different nonprofits we work with, even authors. It's a really good time. We hope you join us over there. Make sure you tune in, and until then, keep it native.